This program is paid for by Your Radio Doctor, LLC. All opinions or statements expressed on this program are solely those of Your Radio Doctor and their guests and do not reflect the opinions of WPHT or Odyssey. Your Radio Doctor does not recommend or endorse any specific tests, products, physicians, procedures, opinions, or other information that may be mentioned on Your Radio Doctor. Always consult your own physician. Today's program has been pre-recorded. Millions of Americans are losing their medical assistance or Medicaid coverage. If this affects you, Independence Blue Cross can help. You may be eligible to enroll in a health plan for as little as $0 a month. With Independence Blue Cross, you get the largest provider network in the area, including most Keystone First doctors and hospitals. We also offer free 24-7 telemedicine, coverage for hospital stays and prescriptions. See if you qualify for $0 health insurance and enroll today. Call Independence Blue Cross at 1-844-464-2583 or visit ibx.com slash stay covered. Talk Radio 1210, WPHT, WPHT, HD, WOGL, HD3, Philadelphia. From the Cherry Hill Volvo Studios, where relationships matter. Always live on the free Odyssey app. It's time for the Delaware Valley's first radio doctor. On call every Saturday afternoon at 5. This is your radio doctor with Dr. Marianne Ritchie. Presented exclusively by Independence Blue Cross. Listen, seven months or ten months is an absolutely exceptional, exceptionally short time frame to produce this vaccine. Your health determines your life, your longevity, and your happiness. Let your radio doctor lead the way with your medical education. Your radio doctor, Dr. Marianne Ritchie. Good afternoon and welcome to your radio doctor. I'm your host, Dr. Marianne Ritchie. As we prepare for Thanksgiving, we reflect on all of our blessings. Among those issues, we're grateful that pancreatic cancer is quite rare, only about 3% of all cancers. However, It's important to know that about five years ago, it was the fourth leading cause of cancer deaths in the U.S. Now it's the number three cause and expected soon to overtake colorectal cancer for the number two spot right behind lung cancer. And cases have been increasing by about 0.5% annually for more than a decade. France, Japan, Taiwan all have reported rapid jumps. Here to discuss these trends review risk factors, and update us on the latest treatments is Dr. David Lauren, my friend and colleague and the man I admire tremendously. He's a professor of medicine at the Lewis Katz School of Medicine and the chief of gastroenterology at Fox Chase Cancer Center. Welcome, David. Thank you very much, Marianne. Thank you so much for the invitation to be here today. Well, of course. So I think people hear terms, and it might be a good idea if we talk about what the pancreas is, what it does, start there maybe. Yeah, a great place to start. We need to understand what this organ is. The pancreas is a—it's an organ that lives behind the stomach and in front of the spine. It's located very close to the back, and it's very central to digestion. Uh, So it carries two main responsibilities in our bodies, the first of which is to help us digest our food. It makes enzymes and juices called pancreas juice. And that juice is very important in helping us break down our food so that we can absorb and digest our food. The other very important role is to help us regulate blood sugar. When we eat food, it gets absorbed into our bloodstream. Our blood sugar levels go up and the pancreas makes a hormone called insulin and that helps downregulate the blood sugars and keep the balance just right so that our blood sugars are where they need to be. Another important role of the pancreas is actually the juice that it, it, it makes helps 
buffer, the acid that comes out of the stomach. So it's like a protection. It protects the lining of the intestines so that all that acid and food and material that's coming from the stomach doesn't harm us. Mm -hmm. And you talk about location, and that's something people need to hear. It's part of the reason why, as we know, as gastroenterologists, if you have a small tumor and it's hidden somewhere between your stomach, so I always remind our, our listeners that that big cave where everything lives, your GI tract and your uh, genitourinary organs, all those good things live in that big cave called the abdomen. Your stomach is just a little pouch that's part of I-95, right? Your esophagus, stomach, and bowel. So between your stomach and right before your spinal cord is your, your, your spine is your pancreas. So it's not leaning on anybody else in the neighborhood. So a tumor has time to grow and in its very insidious nature, not tell us it's there. I mean, the location is just nasty, yes? Yeah, I love the way you think about it. It's like hiding in the woods somewhere deep in the backyard of the neighbor's house even. <laughs> yeah. um, so uh, the pancreas, it's so deep inside the body and close to the back, you don't see it. It's not like something that you can see. You don't feel its function. You don't hear it. There's no sensation of it when it's working right. In fact, the best pancreas is one that doesn't cause any trouble. But because of that, when it does go awry, when there are problems, when a cancer develops in the pancreas, it can be very difficult to diagnose. Yeah. Uh, early. If it's causing symptoms, it means it's big enough to be pressing on the bile duct and make you jaundice or pressing on your stomach and you feel full more quickly, etc. So how does that affect symptoms? Why do certain symptoms seem to manifest? So it's probably worthwhile spending just a moment to understand like the, the anatomy. So the neighbors of the pancreas, so who who's right next to it? So the pancreas lives right next to the bile duct. The bile duct actually runs through a portion of the pancreas. The pancreas has a head, it has a body, it has a tail, and the bile duct runs through the head of the pancreas. The bile duct is a tube that comes from the liver. Uh, bile is made by the liver. It also helps you digest your food. And that bile duct runs, connects with the pancreas duct, which is the tube that the pancreas juice uh, goes through, and they join together to help you digest your food. Um, so understanding that anatomy is important. That happens, the location of that is right after the stomach. And so thinking about when problems arise, they can affect the stomach, the ability of the stomach to empty, um, or they can cause problems uh, where the pancreas itself doesn't function well, which leads into what are the symptoms? Like what, what do we think about as far as symptoms? How do they occur? Well, they occur depending upon where in the tumor, where in the pancreas that tumor is. What's the location of it? Um, the most common symptom or one of the most common symptoms is abdominal pain. It's very common. It usually happens in the upper abdomen, the top of the abdomen. And there are a number of reasons why this occurs. Um, the the uh, pancreas is located right near a whole lot of nerves. And so if those nerves get irritated, uh, then the, the people can experience pain. And that pain is often described in the upper abdomen and radiating through to the back of the pain of the of the uh, abdomen and right through to your back, to the back of the patient. Pain can also come from blockage. It can be blockage of the bile duct can cause pain, in which case it's a little bit more on the right. It can cause blockage of the stomach, in which case the pain can be a little bit more on the left. But the most common is right in the middle radiating to the back. 
Now, the function of the pancreas is also really important. We said that pancreas helps you digest food. So what symptoms arise when the pancreas isn't functioning correctly? Well, people have nausea. Your food isn't being absorbed well. You eat. It's not working right. The pancreas is trying to do its job but can't do it well. And so when that happens, people can often have nausea. You can have loss of appetite. And also, if the stomach is blocked, that can cause nausea when the food backs up and make you not want to eat. And, and, and all of these things lead to weight loss, which is another very common symptom in pancreas cancer. Unexplained weight loss is something we need to be on the lookout for because it shouldn't happen, and it's one of the signs for pancreas cancer. Mm-hmm. And I want to emphasize that you said unexplained weight loss because there are people that go through life and... So many people, all of us, uh, diet intermittently and our weight yo-yos. But what about that time when somebody starts a diet and it's finally effective? We always, we don't always rejoice over that, right? We we hear somebody's diet uh, plan is finally working. We scratch our heads and say, "Is this really uh, a sign of something else?" Because as you say, if the depending where that tumor is located, if it's in the tail and it's just swinging in the breeze. Um, now, you're just lucky if you do get symptoms at an early point in time. And if it's pressing on your stomach, you're going to fill up more quickly, which is almost different than losing your appetite. When you're just not hungry at all, we always, as GI docs say, do you fill up more quickly? Do you want to eat? And then you sit down and get halfway through your sandwich and say, I can't eat anymore, which is different than not wanting to eat at all. So all of these, kind of, they're not nebulous. They, they do have a pattern and, and um, we know how to look for them. Dark urine. I mean, if you're bile duct is blocked and the bile has to go somewhere. It goes into your bloodstream and, and can create dark urine. So all those things. Then the other thing we always tell our patients or our listeners, I should say, there's a difference between symptoms and what you come to us with. Like I have a headache. I can't see that. Um, I have back pain. But the signs, what we look for, what we find, a, a a mass in the belly or an elevated blood pressure. Let's talk about what are the signs that we look for when a person comes with us a story like this. Yeah, a sign, um, what we can observe, and I'd say as physicians, but in pancreas cancer, actually, the most common sign of jaundice, yellowing of the skin and yellowing of the eyes, scleral icterus, icterus, yellowing of the eyes, is so commonly found by members of a person's family. You don't notice it when it happens because it's slow over time but somebody says you know you look you look funny you look a little bit yellow and so um but that's one of the most common signs of pancreas cancer is jaundice uh other signs things we might see the dark urine or light stools all that's related to that bile duct being blocked off Um, but there are other signs that we can find we can detect on examination if we push we will often feel either a mass you can actually feel the mass, sometimes the tumor, or sometimes the stomach being pushed, even the gallbladder not emptying well. You can feel in the abdomen. And we can often feel abdominal distension. Is the belly big? Is there is that stomach getting big? Or sometimes even fluid in the abdomen related, um, uh, related to the pancreas tumor. So there's a lot that we can observe. Uh, and then when we Assess patients when we when the when your listeners come and, and seek care. Uh, amongst the thing will things we'll assess for both by talking to them and testing is diabetes, and understanding that when somebody has a new onset of diabetes, 
particularly somebody in their 40s or 50s with new onset diabetes or somebody with diabetes whose diabetes all of a sudden is out of control, those are patients that we need to pay real, real attention to because we have most recently identified that that group uh, is one that we might be need to be on the hunt for pancreas cancer. And new in terms of relating to possible pancreatic cancer can be um, as long as two years, right? Can it be within not just six months ago, but within two years, we're still on the lookout to see if that's a sign, yes? Yes, we, we really, um, we're so used to, unfortunately, diabetes is so common, it's not really in the forefront of people's minds, but new within the last couple of years, if you're, if you're older in your 40s and 50s, um, then, uh, then and, and especially if you have any other symptom, we really need to think about pancreas cancer in that setting. Mm-hmm. And I find, too, that um, a lot of patients say, well, I've always had a bad stomach or I've always had these issues. But as you mentioned, the pancreas uh, controls our sugars because it produces insulin. But those enzymes that help us digest take care of breaking down fats and proteins. So one of the things that might be in uh, something in their story is diarrhea or see stools that float because you're not breaking down fat. It's going out in your waist and your bowel movements can look different. So if your, if your bowel movements ever look different, that's something worth mentioning to your doctor. It doesn't just happen for, uh, and if and if the reason is innocent, we'll rejoice, right? And and uh, looking for oil in the stool. So actually, changing bowel habits when your bowels are, go from normal to being all broken up, or or, or what you were describing, um, is is one of the most common things that happens to patients when you assess all patients with pancreas cancer. Half of people or more will tell you, you know, my bowels are just not right. They changed. Um, and, uh, and that's, that's part of the piece of the puzzle that we think about as physicians. So to your listeners, talk to your doctors. Yes, because we all like to deny, I don't want to accuse people of that. I do it myself. And I think, well, we'll give it a little more time. But if you don't tell your doctor, he or she's not going to know. And we're here to help and find things the earlier, most often, the earlier we find a problem, the more successful we are with treatment. Let's take a little break. And when we come back, more about cancer of the pancreas with Dr. David Lauren from Fox Chase Cancer Center. Thanks for listening to Your Radio Doctor with Dr. Marianne Ritchie, exclusively presented by Independence Blue Cross. If you have a question for the medical mailbag, just send a note to doctor at yourradiodoctor.net. At Independence Blue Cross, we believe in giving you the tools you need to pursue your healthiest life. From premiums as low as $0 per month to health discounts and cash rewards, it pays to have coverage with Independence. With the strongest network of doctors and hospitals in the region and free 24-7 virtual doctor visits, you can feel confident that quality care is always within reach. Learn more about your coverage options at ibx.com. When Recovery Centers of America at Devon opened its campuses on the main line and in South Jersey, they offered a new approach, local addiction treatment led by an expert, caring team of professionals. RCA has since helped thousands and leads the way in innovative programs and exceptional inpatient and outpatient care, all in a beautiful setting that allows for healing and recovery. RCA answers the phone and admits patients 24-7, 365, including the holidays. All admitted patients and staff are routinely tested for COVID-19. Call now at 1-888-RECOVERY. That's 1-888-RECOVERY. Welcome back to your radio doctor. We're here with Dr. David Lauren, who is 
doctor extraordinaire among skiing and all of his other talents. But David, your specialty really is, uh, you're a gastroenterologist and you focus on pancreatobiliary diseases, be they cancer or um, stenotic or scarred bile ducts or channels that empty the pancreas and liver because they're all in the same neighborhood. And it's really interesting for people to hear why certain symptoms are manifestations of a tumor or pancreatitis because some really clever mother nature put this together. And once you hear an explanation, it really helps listeners to understand, gee, I better tell my doctor that I've been noticing my stools look oily when in the in the toilet or they're floating or, or, um, you know, my brother said to me the other day, my eyes look a little yellow. I, I have to go and be checked because these can, these can all be signs, which leads us to asking with our topic of pancreatic cancer, how do you make the diagnosis? Yeah. The, the, uh, way to make a diagnosis of pancreas cancer, it, objectively is centered around imaging. It really starts with the conversation of assessing, all those symptoms, but that, that leads us to imaging. Imaging, meaning taking pictures uh, of the body, most often that's done with a CAT scan or a CT scan. And, and that's a procedure where pictures are taken and it actually takes slices, little thin slices through our body. And we can look at, at the, at the images from top to bottom, back to front. Uh, and that's how most cancers are diagnosed. I'd say that's how most tumors are diagnosed. Tumor is growth in the pancreas. Um, not every growth in the pancreas is actually cancer, and there are different types of pancreas cancers. Uh, so we bear all that in mind when we are looking at the images that we get from a CT scan. But a CT scan is uh, usually the first step in heading towards a definitive diagnosis of cancer. Um, when we look at a CT scan, we're looking to see, can we see a tumor? Um, so can we see a growth or a solid area that's not normal, but we look for other associated abnormalities. We're looking to see, are the pancreas duct and bile duct too big? We might see that the stomach is too big. We might see that the pancreas itself is changed because there's been some blockage of the pancreas for a long time. So it's not just the finding of what people might say is a shadow in the pancreas or, or, or a mass in the pancreas. It's all the other things that go along with it that can give us an idea of what we're looking at. Now, very interestingly, CT scan doesn't find all pancreas cancers. You could have a, mm. a, a CT scan that, that doesn't show the pancreas cancer, even Good when point. it's there. It could be a small tumor. You can't see it. Um, or it could be that just because of the technique, we're not finding it. So in those scenarios, a patient might have an MRI, which is a different type of imaging that uses magnets, which is really super cool to try to find mm -hmm. and, and look at the pancreas differently and look at the ducts differently. Um, and so those would be non-invasive ways to make a, a diagnosis. And then depending upon what we see there, if it's still, we're worried, somebody's giving us symptoms, we're really concerned, sometimes then we'll move to a procedure called an endoscopic ultrasound. And this is where an ultrasound is done actually from the inside. A patient is asleep with medicines. We give them anesthesia. You're asleep. Um, and it, it's an outpatient procedure. 
A scope goes through the mouth. That scope has a special ultrasound on the end of it, and it lets us be in the stomach and in the small intestine, which are right next to the pancreas, and look at the pancreas really from just a few millimeters away, and it's the most accurate testing modality. And it's not infrequent that I'll have a negative CAT scan and a negative MRI, and we'll do an ultrasound, and we'll be able to find the problem. Now, I want to emphasize with that that in endoscopic ultrasound, it's just a regular upper GI endoscopy. We do thousands of them. So in some countries, they don't even use sedation. We certainly use sedation. But the scope that we use to look into a person's stomach and their upper bowel, the duodenum, is really probably skinnier than my pinky and um, very safe test. And we don't want people to think that they're putting an ultrasound machine in their stomach. It's a sensor in the tip of the scope. And it's just a wonderful test because there's no radiation. And the other great thing about endoscopic ultrasound is while you're in there, you can insert a tiny needle. And if you see a, a growth in the pancreas, you're instead of using an x-ray outside the body to guide you to put a needle in there it's way probably way too deep anyway now the scope is in the stomach you're six eight inches closer or whatever the distance is you're that much closer to the actual pancreas you put a needle through the wall of the stomach into the pancreas and the hole is so tiny it closes off so you can get tissue tell us about that yeah it's amazing and and i do this almost every day. Um, uh, Endoscopic ultrasound has revolutionized pancreas care, uh, and uh, it's become the most used diagnostic modality for gastroenterologists like myself who specialize in the pancreas. It's really important to to take a biopsy so we know what we're dealing with. Um, uh, Everything that grows in the pancreas uh, isn't cancer. Uh, When it is cancer, there are different types. They can be treated very differently, uh, and we need to really understand what we're doing, what we're treating, and so a biopsy is very important. Uh, In the past, most patients would have a biopsy from the outside people would either use an ultrasound or a CAT scan to try to guide a needle, uh, but it's working very far away. Uh, when we're working inside the pancreas, we're literally just a few millimeters from, from the site of biopsy in most occasions. It's very, very safe. The The risks of the, com- uh, of the, of the procedure are almost negligible, and, uh, and, and so uh, it, it has become routine as the primary way to make a diagnosis. And in fact, you're more likely to get an accurate accurate diagnosis with endoscopic ultrasound than any other modality of biopsying something in the pancreas. Mm-hmm. That's what I was going to say, that it's much safer and it's much more accurate. And you're able to withdraw, just basically suction some cells out, and they're either they're cancer or they're not. Uh, I remember back when we were in training, one of the hardest differential diagnoses or one of the hardest things to differentiate was, is this pancreatitis with a with a a chronic scarring or is it cancer? And you don't want to commit a person to cancer surgery for a pancreas, which can be very extensive, although we've made great strides with that too. So uh, as you say, that ultrasound version is so much safer and very accurate. How do you decide who needs surgery, Dave? Yeah, so surgery, when we think about surgery, surgery is the only way to cure 
pancreas cancers. And, mm-hmm. and particularly when we're talking about the most common type of pancreas cancer called the adenocarcinoma or exocrine pancreas cancers, that adenocarcinoma pancreas. So the most common type um, uh, really uh, is cured with surgery. And, and even the, the second most common type, also neuroendocrine tumors, these are typically when it's required cured with surgery. So that's the way we cure cancer. Um, we have to think about a few things. The most important thing to think about is actually the patient. It's not the cancer. It's the patient. Can the patient handle the surgery? These surgeries can be pretty significant, big surgeries, especially if the tumor is located in the head where we have to remove the head of the pancreas and then reroute all the other stuff around. Uh, a cancer in the tail of the pancreas is a little bit easier to remove. And so what do we think about? We think about where's the tumor? How big is the tumor? We think about when is the right time to do surgery. So at our cancer center, we get together in a tumor board and and we'll talk all together about do we treat a patient first with chemotherapy? Is that going to decrease the likelihood that they're going to or increase the likelihood that they'll survive their surgery and get a cure, right? Because the goal of surgery is cure. So who gets surgery has a lot to the who has a lot to do with it. The other factors are, is the tumor involving blood vessels in which blood vessels are involved? And and it's worth mentioning that in expert pancreas centers, the types of surgeries that are being performed now have come a tremendous way. And people are... Uh, surgeons have made great advances in pancreas surgery and continue to innovate in this field. And expert pancreas centers can really do some amazing things. You know, pancreas cancer, when we look at the data, we're actually starting to see more cancers in young patients. And, and we're talking about people's in their 40s, their 30s. And, uh, and, and when we start thinking about that group, you know, we have to do everything we can. And it, it can be a really tough situation. So um, I, I give incredible credit to the surgeons who are tackling a really difficult problem. But there have been great strides. And it's important that patients, when they have a diagnosis of a pancreas cancer, talk to a surgeon hopefully early in the course of their of their course. And you raise such important points, David, because we talk about um, a tumor board, and for somebody who has not experienced cancer in themselves or their family, that means that a group of physicians, everybody who touches that patient, the GI doctor who makes the diagnosis perhaps, the, the surgeon whose opinion we need, the oncologist or the cancer specialist who decides if and when chemotherapy, do we give it before surgery, post-surgery, the radiation therapist, if a person, all of those great minds come together, even the radiologist, because if you're not, you know, every certain, every person is different. You can have a hundred people have an x-ray and they can all look different. And we, that's, I guess, the wisdom of experience. And the other thing is the surgery you and our our champion today is a woman who did have pancreatic cancer at age 45 and she'll talk about her path to uh, good health but always get a second opinion and if you're lucky enough to live in a city like Philadelphia get an opinion from somebody who does pancreas work all day every day yes yeah abs- absolutely and and it even goes beyond that now we do um precision medicine, molecular testing, the the types of testing that can be done on a tumor 
that can help us choose a therapy, the right therapy, even beyond surgery, um, it, it is now individualized to the person. Uh, mm-hmm. And uh, so that's part of what we do routinely. And so it's not just all those doctors that you mentioned, but even the pathologists, the people looking at our, our, our specimens under the microscope and how they handle the tissue and how we process it. Um, all of these things are incredibly important, uh, and are now take a central role into managing people who have unfortunately been diagnosed with this cancer. And we use that expression precision medicine, meaning we look at Mary Smith or Joe Jones, and we, we look for genetic mutations in their own bloodstream that, that we'll talk about family history. We're going to talk about that in the next segment, but also genetic mutations in the tumor itself. You know, tumors have their own personalities. As you say, there's chemotherapy, but there's also immunotherapy in many cancers, which means we teach your immune system how to attack the uh, either the cancer or its food supply or some way to say, stop right there. And it's fascinating and it's really uh, an awesome time to be working at a cancer center, I'm sure, because you're with a lot of great minds and they're lucky to have you. Thank you. Oh, they are very lucky. Take a little break and we'll be back with Dr. David Lauren. Your Radio Doctor with Dr. Marianne Ritchie is presented exclusively by Independence Blue Cross. I'm always striving to live my healthiest life, so I need a health plan that has my back. With Independence Blue Cross, I get access to the largest network of doctors and hospitals in the region and free virtual doctor visits 24-7. Plus, with premiums as low as $0 per month, I can stay on top of my health and keep my budget in check. Independence has given me coverage I can count on, and they'll do the same for you. Learn more about your coverage options at ibx.com. When Recovery Centers of America at Devon opened its campuses on the main line and in South Jersey, they offered a new approach, local addiction treatment led by an expert caring team of professionals. RCA has since helped thousands and leads the way in innovative programs and exceptional inpatient and outpatient care, all in a beautiful setting that allows for healing and recovery. RCA answers the phone and admits patients 24-7, 365, including the holidays. All admitted patients and staff are routinely tested for COVID-19. Call now at 1-888-RECOVERY. That's 1-888-RECOVERY. Now, you're a real champion. And now for your real champion, I call this segment Anne-Marie Hughes, thankful for second chances. Anne-Marie Hughes is a warrior. I was very fortunate to meet her when we were both panelists at a seminar on women's cancers, and I was greatly moved by her strength and positive outlook. She's a mother of three children. She works as the director of middle market banking at Wells Fargo with an office in Center City and another in Conshohocken. And when she least expected it, cancer tapped her on the shoulder. Cancer of the pancreas at the age of 45. She fought hard through surgery, chemotherapy, radiation, and moved forward, only to have cancer knock at her door a second time. Anne-Marie is your real champion, and she's here to tell us this incredible story firsthand. Welcome, Anne-Marie, and thank you. Hey, Marianne. Thank you. So tell us, if you would, what led to the diagnosis 12 years ago now. Yeah, so I started uh, in 2010, um, and you know, up until 2010, I did have a lot of stomach issues, um, you know, constantly just having problems with digestion. Um, and I would have 
upper pains in my, in my abdomen, in my upper abdomen. Um, and you know, they would go away after sleeping and I'd be fine. But I did see a GI doctor about these things. And he just said to me that I had irritable, irritable bowels. Um, so, you know, didn't do anything about it, just kept going. Um, but 2010 was, um, a time where I ended up with severe pain in my lower left quadrant of my abdomen. And it was so severe. I had my husband call our friend who is a GI doctor and he uh, immediately saw me at the hospital and did a CAT scan. Um, and that showed that I had diverticulitis, but it also showed that I had a dilated duct. I had no idea what I was talking about, but they were very concerned about that. And they started asking me if I was having pain in my upper abdomen, which I didn't at, at the time. Um, and so, um, that was not the, you know, the primary reason I was there. Um, however, it became the primary reason why I had to have further testing. And I went from there to having an MRI. Um, and then from there to an ERCP, um, all the time that they were looking for a tumor in my pancreas because the dilated duct was indicative of a potential tumor. Um, my duct did not fuse properly. Um, and apparently I had a congenital defect that maybe 10% of people have. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to hold you right there for a second because we're, our guest today is Dr. David Lauren, who's a pancreas specialist. And he was explaining, uh, you know, through the show, um, what we look for in terms of symptoms and you here, you did, you know, you did follow up. You went to your doctor, you went to a GI specialist and said, Hey, and I, I don't know what testing was done, but you were young. So I guess pancreatic cancer was pretty low on the list. And maybe your symptoms through the years weren't from that anyway, but you, you had diverticulitis that was addressed and treated and that got better. And coincidentally, we look at the whole person when we do a CAT scan, we look at the whole belly and we say, hey, why is that channel that empties the pancreas, why is that dilated? Is there something blocking it here? It's like when you turn a hose on, you put a rubber band around uh, you know, the end of it and you turn the water on, it gets big above the narrowing. That's what you're describing. Your duct was dilated. Right. So you, they did all the right things. They did others test, MRI, ERCP, which is a scope test. We put dye in. And thank goodness, what happened after that? They didn't find anything. We don't always find it, yeah. And so, of course, I was very relieved. Um, but they thought that they would do more tests. They did more blood tests. They thought maybe I had some issue with gluten um, or, or something going on. But they didn't find anything. Um, so I left there relieved, uh, sure. and went about my business. So then Anne Marie 2011 comes along just maybe close, not, not a full year later. And you were having some changes in your bowel pattern, let's say. Yeah. And you went back to the GR doctor and fortunately he said, what? He said, I want you to get another MRI. And I looked at him. He's like a brother to me. And I said, I can't believe you're going to put me through this again. But he said, you know, I just want to make sure nothing's changed. So that was September of 2011. And I walked out of there. I was like, well, I'll, I'll do this at some point. I'm mm -hmm. super busy. I waited until 
November 2011, and I went in for the MRI, and hours later he called me and said, drop everything, there's a, there's a mass on your pancreas. So it's not what you want to hear at any age, but you're 45, you're at the prime of your life, you have three healthy children, you have a great job, you're happy, life is good. So you were wise enough to say, I'm not just going to go, I'm going to get at least two opinions. And you did that. And you saw, uh, you went into the universities and, and had opinions and you had your surgery and hallelujah, negative margins. When we take out a tumor, we always take a few centimeters around it to make sure it hasn't creeped microscopically into the neighborhood. So that was awesome. Negative margin, negative lymph nodes. And then after big surgery, you had chemotherapy for six months, I might add, radiation therapy for 30 days, brutal, but you were so focused. That's what I, I could see, I could hear that instantly when I heard you talk about your story. And you were left with a little reflux and, and we take a medication, which we'll Creon because if, you know, you had only part of your pancreas removed because they got the tumor, it was small enough. We say, hey, we don't want you to be completely without a pancreas because it helps right. with digestion of fat and protein and right. your insulin. So right. you were so faithful. You followed up. You did exactly what you were supposed to do. And one of the things we do is do blood tests because there is a blood test that tells us if it's elevated, the CA-199, if it's elevated at the time of your cancer and then it drops, that's a good sign that we got it all and we, we right. watch to see if it comes back. So you were, tell us about that process. So every year or even maybe more often initially. Initially, probably in the first two years, I was going um, every four months. Yeah. Uh, or every three months. Uh, mm -hmm. and Great. Getting, mm -hmm. Right. Uh, and then getting the, you know, MRIs or whatever and the blood tests. And they do the CA-19-9 to, to follow that. Um, mm -hmm. it was, it was extraordinarily low after all the chemo and everything else, probably at one, you know, um, and then it started creeping up. Um, but it was still considered low. Um, and you know, the CA-19-9 is not a perfect test. So, uh, when they do this, they always do it in concert with looking at the, the scans to see what the real picture is. Um, and so, you know, my scans were all fine. Um, and then in 2017, at that point I was every six months surveillance. And uh, in 2017, uh, November timeframe, they found another primary tumor. Hmm on the other part of my pancreas and the remaining yeah. part of my pancreas. And so I'm going to add there that you went back to the original surgeon and they took out the rest of your pancreas, your spleen, your appendix. So if you have a pain again, well, we can, we can cross off appendix and your gallbladder is already gone more chemo. And now you're six years out from that round two, right? What is your message to listeners? My message is number one, because pancreas, cancer, pancreatic cancer is so hard to detect and we still don't have a perfect detection, early detection method. It's really important to pay attention to your body. Pay attention to anything that is unusual. All the common signs, which I'm sure you went over earlier uh, with the doctor, uh, pay attention to your body and take it seriously and get to a specialist. You might start with the generalist, but always get to a specialist who, because the pancreatic cancer is, is not 
as commonly treated and well-known as the other cancers. Um, it's becoming more and more so, but it's still, I'm not convinced that it, it gets the support and attention that it needs. No. And you are so active. You're in races and you wear purple and you're purple tuto and you're other, you're also a big fan. And I'm sure you were even, I'm listening to you. You're a big, uh, ad, I mean, you're very good about getting your annual checkups, even if you don't have symptoms, because that's when we find hidden things like blood pressure right. or, you know, Hey, the last time you're here, you weighed seven pounds more. When we find unexplained weight loss, that can be the key. And, and you, you always tell, um, when you tell your story, be your own advocate and get a second opinion. Uh, whenever I see a patient and I, I find something new that's really frightening for them, I say, get a second opinion. I won't be offended. And if you are with the doctor who is offended, say, adios. Emory, right. um, I, I want to give you a minute. We have about a minute left. Tell us about when your well-meaning friends and colleagues would send you emails and say, oh, I read this about pancreatic cancer. Not all good. Some of it's scary. I think the other message you have is treat Every person is different. Everybody has a unique path when they have a sickness, especially cancer. And what did you learn from that? Cancer is a very personal thing, right? Every cancer is unique. Every body is unique. Every person is unique. Um, you know, when they tell you to stay off Google, stay off Google, right? That is not your friend. Um, your doctor is your friend. If you have done the research and if you've found the right specialist, you have control over what you hear um, and where you go um, from there. So it's important for you to realize that you're with the doctor. The doctor is going to be your guide. There's going to be a lot of people, well-intentioned people that want to tell you all about what they know or what they've read. Um, I say keep your circle really, really tight. Keep the noise out. It's very important for you to take this time, step back, and focus on the healing process. Focus on getting better. Focus on doing the best you can do and living your life. It's important to just live your life. Stay busy. Do what you can. Stay active. Listen to your doctors. And you know, um, have hope. And that's what I think you really, really, really try to have hope. It is so hard. Every diagnosis, like I said, is very different. Mine is different than maybe somebody else who is listening and they may be thinking differently, but do your best to look forward. Do your best to live every day as a gift. Every day as a gift. I think that's the most powerful message here. None of us know the day or the hour. And Anne-Marie, we can't no. thank you enough because when you were being treated, you wanted to focus on the getting the treatment done, not statistics, not side effects. And it can't be easy to relive your story every time you share it, even right now. Your story is being heard by thousands of people. And even if you save one other person, You've done a tremendous service. So happy Thanksgiving to you and your family. And we wish you continued good health. It's why I'm here, Marianne. That's why I'm living. So happy Thanksgiving to you. God bless you. Every day is a second chance. God bless. Today's edition of Your Radio Doctor with Dr. Marianne Ritchie, presented exclusively by Independence Blue Cross, can be enjoyed anytime, anywhere, at your convenience. Just download the Odyssey app and search Your Radio Doctor. 
It's health education on demand. Millions of Americans are losing their medical assistance or Medicaid coverage. If this affects you, Independence Blue Cross can help. You may be eligible to enroll in a health plan for as little as $0 a month. With Independence Blue Cross, you get the largest provider network in the area, including most Keystone First doctors and hospitals. We also offer free 24-7 telemedicine, coverage for hospital stays and prescriptions. See if you qualify for $0 health insurance and enroll today. Call Independence Blue Cross at 1-844-464-2583 or visit ibx.com slash stay covered. Your radio doctor, Dr. Marianne Ritchie, now Saturday afternoons at 5, presented exclusively by Independence Blue Cross. This program is paid for by Your Radio Doctor, LLC. And we're here on Your Radio Doctor with Dr. David Lauren, Chief of Gastroenterology at Fox Chase Cancer Center, learning so much about pancreatic cancer, which can be just downright insidious because the pancreas lives so deep in our bellies that it's not leaning on any other organs that would send off a, a red flag or a signal. So one of the things as gastroenterologists, when we see a patient who's had unexplained weight loss, we might scope them from above to see if their you know, appetite's altered by reflux or an ulcer or check their colon for colon cancer. But when that's all said and done and we don't find anything, we usually do a CAT scan to look and see if there's any tumor hiding in the darkness in their belly, yes? That we do. Um, it's important to think about our symptoms and, and think about what's affecting our patients and, and not rest until we've, we've discovered the cause. Exactly. So let's talk, Dave, if we may, about the risk factors because we usually, when we talk about cancers or any disease, we divide into environmental or those things around us or those things we can control versus our family history or genetics. Let's talk about environmental first. Yeah, there, there are a few things in the environment that, that uh, predispose to pancreas cancer. The first and uh, one of the most important is smoking. Uh, smoking is involved in actually like a third of pancreas cancers. Uh, and, and there are data that suggests that if we quit smoking, we might be able to reduce the number of pancreas cancers in the United States by a quarter, by 25%. So smoking definitely contributes to the likelihood of developing a pancreas cancer. Um, And those, those pathways are interesting and being studied. Another one that goes along with smoking is uh, obesity, being overweight, uh, and physical activity. Those those factors contribute in a number of different ways, um, but studies have repeatedly shown that being overweight and physical inactivity can predispose to pancreas cancer. Um, and similarly, when we think about diet, diets that are rich in fruits and vegetables may in fact be protective against it. So these are things to bear in mind and Try to try to lean a clean, healthy life as best we can, and if we're a little bit overweight, try to reduce your weight, do the best we can, um, so that we could take that out. And if we're smoking, you know, another reason to quit. Well, you know, and we're making progress with these the national can- uh, campaigns for smoking cessation, and then into the driver's lane comes being overweight. And you look at the graphs or the uh, the maps of the U.S. over the past couple decades, and you see it go from. And, and these are colored maps for our listeners. They're pale blue, darker blue means slightly overweight. And then they turn, oh, I guess, yellow and then red as the more people become more and more overweight. And that's going to bump the risk for type 2 diabetes. And as you said earlier, if you've been diagnosed with type 2 diabetes within the past two years, you need to have a discussion with your doctor or your doctor should be asking you, or do you have any symptoms that would suggest pancreatic cancer? Um, and it's both 
passive and active, right? It's not just lack of activity bumps your risk for being overweight or obese. There's a positive effect. There's a proactive reason to be physically active. Being active protects us not just from being overweight, but healthier cell mechanisms and and, uh, protect from cancer. So pancreatitis is probably in there as well as a possible risk factor. Uh, Hard to say. Pancreatitis, also, you know, when we think about environmental risk factors, alcohol is the number one cause of pancreatitis in the United States. Um, so just another reason to, you know, decrease our, our, our cheesesteak intake, mm-hmm. decrease our alcohol intake, and get out there and, uh, and spend some time out in the great outdoors. So maybe pancreatitis... The number one cause of pancreatitis, you would know better than most, is gallstones, right? Well, um, it depends what kind of pancreatitis. Chronic pancreatitis and ongoing inflammation in the pancreas. Um, Actually, alcohol uh, is the most common cause of that type of pancreatitis, and that's the one we worry about where people can develop cancers. That's what I meant, that if people out there had pancreatitis because a gallstone got stuck, I don't want them to think that that bumps their risk. It's more of that. That does not. Gotcha. So let's talk about family history, family history, family history. Even if you don't have a a positive uh, test for genetic mutation, we look at uh, close relatives. We always say first degree as a parent, a sibling, or a child. But let's talk, if we may, David, about uh, genetic syndromes and how you decide who should be screened and all those good things. Yeah, it's such a huge field. So, um, Something I've been really struck by is that up to 15% of pancreas cancers may be on the basis of having a a gene that that predisposes us to that cancer. That's a big number. So there's a lot that goes into it, but that also means there's a great opportunity to find those genes. So we have to think about understanding what are the, the syndromes or the types of genetic syndromes, what other cancers run along with this pancreas cancer that we can try to identify people. So let's start with family history. If you have two of those first degree relatives that, that you're talking about, um, that, that leaves you with a 10% chance lifetime risk of developing pancreas cancer. If you have two first degree relatives, I have lots of friends like this, and those patients are being screened for pancreas cancer. So, and how do you do that, David, before we go on? Yeah, how do you yeah, screen them? Yeah, screen, screening for pancreas cancer. Well, it, it, it's its own kind of really interesting um, uh, field, but it starts with understanding what are the genes, and, it's, and oftentimes it starts with speaking to, with a genetic counselor, getting a blood test, yep. um, or, or usually a, a blood test, that can help us find what is your genetic predisposition what mm-hmm. is the magnitude of your risk of developing cancer? And then you might meet a gastroenterologist like me to say, okay, now we understand what your risk is. Let's do actually screening testing um, in order to try to catch something early. We know in, these, in the programs that we have, we're able to find things early. So who are the people that you know, we, we do that on? So there have now been actually all of our professional societies, including the most important one in the United States, have made recommendations for pancreas cancer screening for people who are considered high risk. So I mentioned the people who have a family history, particularly into first degree relatives. Um, one that uh, is uh, very more known now than in the past are uh, associations with breast cancer. So people have the 
BRCA mutations, BRCA1, BRCA2, something called PL2. These gene syndromes have breast cancer with them, ovarian cancer with them, and pancreas cancer. And we see this quite commonly. And the pancreas cancer risk in those genes are very significant. They can be as high as, say, 10%. Hmm. So um, so the recommendations from, for example, our GI society is if you have that gene, that you get screened with or without a family history of pancreas cancer. Um, and again, there's some variability in the recommendation. So it's important if you have the gene that you, uh, that you speak to a gastroenterologist. And how do you know if you have the gene? You get tested. 80% of people with genes don't even know they have them. Other syndromes, in addition to the, to the breast, hereditary breast ovarian cancer, those BRCA's, um, Lynch syndrome, which is a colon cancer syndrome, a syndrome that we see quite frequently as gastroenterologists, mm-hmm. also called hereditary non-polyposis colon cancer, HNPCC. Big words, but they are associations with young age onset of colon cancers and some other cancers and pancreas cancer. And so we can find those. And the pancreas cancers that develop in people who have these syndromes will often occur earlier than others. There are a host of less well-known syndromes, um, something called Poitz-Jager syndrome or, or syndromes that have association with melanoma. Um, and, and the risk of cancer in these syndromes can be very, very high. So, so if you have a family history of pancreas cancer, particularly if there's a first-degree relative with pancreas cancer, get screened. The recommendation now is anybody who has a first-degree relative of pancreas cancer, we screen you for, we do genetic testing to find a gene. And if you are an individual diagnosed with pancreas cancer, you should be screened because if we can find a gene in you, we can look for it in your family and we can help prevent that cancer developing in others in your family. So I would think, David, uh, in, in a case with, with a, a young person who has pancreatic cancer and they have no family history, their children their siblings, if their parents are still alive, uh, because, uh, you know, planning ahead, prevention is the key to, that's our whole goal with cancer. Um, I think it's interesting too, I've heard of, and I don't wanna get too much in the weeds, maybe a person will have a CAT scan for a totally different reason, a diverticulitis, or they have another cancer and we're just checking their belly. And we find what's called the little tiny cysts in the pancreatic duct called IPMNs. Do you want to talk about that for a minute? Yeah. So uh, IPMNs, these cysts you're talking about, they're not all IPMNs. Cysts in the pancreas are very, very common. We think actually five in a hundred people have cysts in the pancreas that we see on imaging. It's, it's even more common than that, but the ones that we find about 5%. And we have to think about these because uh, cancers can develop in the cysts. They can be a, a, uh, a predisposition, a marker of a predisposition for cancer. Um, but we have to hold our horses a little bit because most of these are benign. Most of these never turn into cancer and many of them don't even carry with them cancer risk. And this is why it's really important if you have a cyst in your pancreas to talk to a person who specializes in the pancreas, a gastroenterologist who specializes in the pancreas. At Fox Chase, we have a whole focus on cysts with a, with a collaborative group. We do studies on these cysts. We actually, when we, when we have to biopsy the cysts, we're sending off blood and cyst fluid to try to analyze what are the genes that predispose people to developing cancer within the cysts. But cysts are a marker that may may mean that somebody is at risk of a cancer. Mm-hmm. Um, again, 
with caution, don't want to scare everybody. No. All pancreas cysts, of course, don't lead to cancer. Most don't, but they are another way to try to find people at risk and reduce that likelihood of getting cancer, which is uh, of the pancreas, which is a, uh, an increasing problem in, in the United States. And Plus, all the more reason for people to pay attention if they develop symptoms to, to jump on it. So if somebody wanted to come to Fox Chase for a second opinion or a first opinion, the number is 888-369-2427. We'll put that on my website as well. And the website, of course, is easy, foxchase.org. And, and David, you said so clearly, if somebody has a pancreas issue, it's a very um, complicated organ and problems with it can be insidious and difficult to parse out as a source. Um, so you want to see uh, a specialist and genetics, the genetics program at Fox Chase is fantastic. And we've said so many times on our show, we've even had genetics uh, specialists on to say, make sure that you go to a certified genetics testing uh, provider and center because um, the costs and all those things involved, you want to do it right the first time. I, I want to lead people, especially to the foxchase.org website, because I saw a video you produced that was just stellar. And I want people to hear that I know firsthand because you're my colleague and I trust you inherently or I wouldn't send my family to you, which I have. <laughs> and I heard you say in this beautiful video, I always put myself in my patient's shoes. I want my doctor when it's my turn, when I'm the patient, I want my doctor to think of me, care about me and bring his or her best to my care because that's what you do. Thank you. Go, Dr. David Lauren, you're the bestest and I wish you all the success in the world. Happy Thanksgiving. And what do you say to all that? Marianne, first of all, can you see me <laughs> blushing on the radio? I don't know if you can see that. But um, thank you so much for the kind, kind words. I count myself amongst all of the people who have pancreas cancer in their family and need to think about it. And, uh, and we do our best for our patients every day. And we hope that your message resonates strongly and clearly to people to help your listeners and to help find cancers early and help get to the cure. Well, God bless you. Happy Thanksgiving. We have so much to be thankful for, especially you, David. Happy Thanksgiving. Thank you, Marion. Thank you for listening to Your Radio Doctor every Saturday at 5 p.m. here on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. All of our shows are posted on odyssey.com. That's A-U-D-A-C-Y. Thanksgiving is one of my favorite holidays because it's not about presents or costumes. It's about coming together to break bread with those you care about. So remember to tell your family and close friends how much you love and appreciate them. And maybe take a little time to reach out to someone who doesn't have family and will spend the day alone. And thanks to all of you for supporting our show and for your great feedback. Please continue to pray for peace in our world, our country, our cities, our families, and in each of our own hearts. This is your radio doctor wishing you safe travels and a happy Thanksgiving with the ones you love and always here to remind you that your health is your wealth. Thanks for listening to your radio doctor, Dr. Marianne Ritchie, presented exclusively by Independence Blue Cross. To contact Dr. Marianne and to listen to today's show as well as past shows, visit yourradiodoctor.com. 
This program is paid for by Your Radio Doctor, LLC. All opinions or statements expressed on this program are solely those of Your Radio Doctor and their guests and do not reflect the opinions of WPHT or Odyssey. Today's program has been pre-recorded. Millions of Americans are losing their medical assistance or Medicaid coverage. If this affects you, Independence Blue Cross can help. You may be eligible to enroll in a health plan for as little as $0 a month. With Independence Blue Cross, you get the largest provider network in the area, including most Keystone First doctors and hospitals. We also offer free 24-7 telemedicine, coverage for hospital stays and prescriptions. See if you qualify for $0 health insurance and enroll today. Call Independence Blue Cross at 1-844-464-2583 or visit ibx.com slash stay covered.